0: Be looking in a few minutes at verses 42 uh, through 47 verses 42 to 47 and um, if you're watching on a, a device where you can type uh, or a keyboard or something like that feel free to use the feature that's down at the bottom that says uh, Q&A maybe there'll be a, a question that comes up during the sermon that you would like to perhaps have us talk about in some other medium this week Um, or a prayer request, or maybe you're new, a guest, and uh, you want to send in your information, we'd love to have a staff member send you an email or give you a phone call. And just thank you for participating with us. We are working our way together through the book of Acts as a church family. Certainly never dreamed we'd be doing it this way, but in whatever way God would have it, we want to continue to hear his word. And so that's what we'll be doing uh, together this morning. Thousands of churches across the United States simultaneously being unable to get together for corporate worship. This is what we're facing. And this is discussion about what the priorities and activities of a church actually are supposed to be in the first place. Uh, certainly in my lifetime, there's been nothing like this happened before. The discussions this atypical experience are raising are important because they get to the heart of what the church is and what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. Our passage for today in Acts 2 will help us to think biblically about this situation that we're facing, to think biblically about what the priorities of the people of God are. Now remember, In the first several sections of Acts chapter 2, as we've worked our way through this long chapter together, this will be the third week in this chapter. The Holy Spirit has indwelled his followers, and thousands of people were saved as a result of God using Peter's sermon. They were baptized and they became a part of the church in Jerusalem. It was, of course, the first Southern Baptist church of Jerusalem. I can hear your laughter all the way from home. They were baptized, they became a part of the church. And then the next section we move into is where we'll be today. A couple questions you could be thinking about as we uh, work our way through this. Number one, what did the first church understand to be the essential marks of a church? And number two, or perhaps just a a simpler way of thinking about this text. What does a spirit-filled church do? What does a spirit-filled church do? That's what we'll be talking about this morning. Michael uh, Demagon, who is uh, one of the church members here at Church on Mill, a college student who of course has been upended like so many of us through this experience. Michael's joining us from home And he will be reading for us this morning Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Michael, it's all yours. Thanks Michael. It's it's easy to take a passage like this and to turn it into a list of commands that we essentially understand to be what we must do in precisely the same way this church did them. It's it's easy to take this text like that, but that's not exactly what this passage is intending to convey to us. In fact, we're going to encounter this issue again and again and again as uh, we work our way through the book of Acts this year together. So maybe just a quick aside would help us as we try to think through an interpretive issue about the book of Acts. It's the difference between what we might call a description and prescription. Uh, a passage that's descriptive is a passage that's telling us what happened. It's telling us what happened because it, it wants us to believe a certain thing, to know a certain thing took place, but it's not necessarily telling us that we should go and do the same thing. Whereas a text that's prescriptive is a text that's telling us what should continue to happen. It's, it's prescribing a certain kind of uh, behavior that we are supposed to continue to follow. Now, How do you know if a text should be interpreted descriptively or prescriptively? Well, one way, perhaps the very simplest way, is to simply ask this question. Do other passages of the Bible outside of this passage tell me explicitly, do they command me to do what is here only described? So does, The behavior we see in a particular passage in Acts, in other parts of the Bible, is it a command that we should continue to follow? That's one way of trying to get at this issue. Often there's some combination of the two going on in a particular passage. So, say for example, in Acts 2, the passage that Michael just read for us, some of what's being described here is simply descriptive while other things are prescriptive. Now this will become really important as we work our way through the book. So in this case, every church devoting themselves to being uh, sitting under the preaching and teaching of God's word. that's, That's prescriptive. Lots of places in the Bible tell us to do that all the time. And yet, we see in Acts chapter 2 that the church met every single day. Now that's not meant to be prescriptive. That's simply descriptive of what happened there in the first century. If you have more questions about that, feel free to use that Q&A feature, and maybe in the coming weeks we can find some way to interact with uh, some of those questions or simply follow up with you an email. Now, with that in mind, let's together really get into this passage there's so much here to talk about. Re- rejoicing in the forgiveness of sin and in the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we find a new community under the Lord Jesus Christ being formed. This new community, the, the church, was beautiful. The church had sound doctrine, it had compelling community. It had the presence of God moving among them in a powerful way. They had a deep commitment to to love one another. They had an evangelistic zeal and God-given fruit. This, brothers and sisters, is what Jesus in the gospels promised to build, church. It is what we together today are experiencing, the church. What we see the flower of the people of God beginning to bloom here in the book of Acts. What happened in Jerusalem way back then, of course, is instructive for what we would be hoping God would continue to do in Tempe today. Now you'll notice as you glance down at your Bibles in verse 42, there's there's a phrase that is designed to come to us with power with weight. It's the phrase, they devoted themselves to. This idea that that these followers of Jesus tenaciously pursued something and persisted in it, these are the activities that God's Word would tell us a church ought always to be doing. And it's what I want us to spend most of our time together on this morning. It says that they gave themselves habitually to a certain set of things that had particular significance. Now, while some of the specifics that happened in this text are not meant to be rules for all time, certainly these four things are prescriptive. They typify the life of every local church. These four areas of devotedness, we might call it, are, number one, the apostles' teaching. Number two, fellowship. Number three, the breaking of bread. And number four, prayers. That'll form the outline of what I want us to think about together for most of our time that we have left. The first church, this church in Acts, gave herself first to the apostles' teaching. Now, this one is perhaps the most interesting because of the particular experience they were in. The way we sometimes think about the Holy Spirit might make us think that this first priority is rather unnecessary. Being a Christian full of God's presence by God's Spirit, friend, doesn't mean you stop using your brain. It doesn't mean you quit planning ahead. It doesn't mean you don't study your Bible. It doesn't mean that everything about our experience with God becomes warm fuzzies and kind of mystical oddities. No, being filled with the Spirit means, friend, that you've been united to Christ. And by the Spirit, Christ is now in you, and you are in Christ. And the presence and power of God are now within and within us as a corporate body of believers. And therefore, now don't miss this, and therefore because we've been filled with the Spirit, the very first thing the Christian church did is they began devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings. One of the things you see that the Spirit does is help us understand and walk in the truth. One of the principal activities of God within us is to help us understand his word and to walk in accordance with it. Precisely because we're filled with the spirit, we give ourselves to learning. This church in Jerusalem was committed to being a studying church. Beloved, if we will be people who are growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, It will be because we're giving ourselves to hearing his word, to talking about that word with one another, to applying that word to our experience. These early Christians had to nurture their joy in Christ through the strengthening of their beliefs. Don't miss that although the the original 120 disciples who were then joined by the 3,000, that they had to be reminded day by day what God says. And although they had this dramatic encounter with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, a day when there were tongues of fire and there was speaking in languages that people hadn't learned, that the first thing the church did was give themselves to teaching They didn't, in other words, keep asking God for the same kind of supernatural experiences over and over and over. Instead, they gave themselves to the Word. Now, the content of the apostles' teaching is today what we would call the New Testament. If you were to stick your hand in your Bible, it would be roughly the the last one-third of your scriptures But of course, at this point in Acts chapter two, none of that's written down yet. The apostles are audibly teaching and preaching. We might say this was the content creation stage. But today, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, there are no more continuing apostles. So we're not in content creation stage. We have it. We have their teaching. It is our New Testament. Christian, your New Testament is full of fabulous news, fabulous good news about who Jesus is, about what he's done, about what he's doing today, about what he'll do when he returns. This New Testament tells us the truth about the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, the return of our Lord. It even tells us what to do in moments like this, moments unlike Any other that we have experienced before. In fact, the scriptures tell us everything we need to know for life and godliness. Isn't that great news today? Beloved, may we give ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Some of us right now are much busier than we normally are. I've thought a lot about, for example, the the moms who overnight became full-time homeschool teachers. You didn't know you were signing up for that. You didn't sign up for that, but that assignment came to you nonetheless. Perhaps because of this new experience, really providentially, all you can pull out is one page of the Bible each day. Just finding five to 10 minutes alone to read may be incredibly difficult, but I wanna encourage you to find that way to give yourself to the apostles' teaching. Or if that's simply impossible, then maybe in your new homeschool curriculum, you could set aside a few minutes during the day at snack time to pull out a kid's Bible and to read that Bible to your children. You might be amazed what you too can learn from a children's Bible but give yourself to the apostles' teaching. There's others of us who providentially have much more time than we normally do. Let me encourage you not to squander that time. Don't waste the time stuck at home. Don't spend it all in video games and Netflix and social media and the news. Some of that's fine, of course. But don't squander these days or weeks, however long this ends up being, only on that kind of stuff. Why don't you pick up that book that you've set aside that would help you understand your Bible better? Why don't you read on a FaceTime with another brother or sister in Christ? Why don't you study with a roommate or a family member, the scriptures? Give yourself to the apostles' teaching You may never have another experience like this in which you have this amount of time let's make the most of it church so this is the first thing they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching now if you look in verse 42 brothers and sisters you'll see the second thing they devoted themselves to says they devoted themselves to fellowship fellowship now in many churches the word fellowship has been exchanged for another word that starts with F, food. And certainly food accompanies fellowship, but that doesn't capture all that it is. The word fellowship refers to shared participation. It means holding something in common. In church, you see, we share the most important type of commonality in existence. We share that we've been forgiven of our sins and indwelled by the Spirit. And this shared experience of the grace of God has made us brothers and sisters. We're part of the new people of God. We have right relationships with our Heavenly Father. And this right relationship with the Father has brought about right relationships with each other. Fellowship with God, you see, makes fellowship with one another possible. This word, I, I like to describe it as sort of being like um, the waistband on your grandfather's sweatpants. It's, it's elastic and it stretches in lots of different ways. Sometimes the scripture describes it as like being devoted to each other. Sometimes prayer, praying with one another. Sometimes it's like confessing our sins to one another. And that elasticity of the way we have fellowship with one another is wonderful because it stretches to cover all of our needs. God in his kindness has given us each other that we might help each other stick with Jesus. And in a word, it's love. Fellowship is love experienced. Because we share Jesus in common, we share all things in common, too. One of the things all of us are aching for right now the most is fellowship. We're all doing our best to keep relationships going as much as possible online, but the fact is we just aren't having the same kind of fellowship right now that we're so used to. We can't. May this pandemic help us to hold the in-person fellowship we're so used to that perhaps we've taken for granted. May it help us to hold it much more seriously and sweetly when we can get back to life as we knew it. A church where where Jesus is Lord, where people are walking daily with an awareness that they're forgiven of sins and indwelled by the Spirit. A church where relationships are deep. A church where people really care. A church where the currency of how we operate is the currency of love. A church where the the teachings of the New Testament guide our shared life together. This will be a church in which there's a devotedness to fellowship. It'll also be a church where, number three, there will be a breaking of bread. Now, how many of you love some bread? I love bread. Bread is one of God's best gifts to humanity. Now, m- most likely, the term here in our Bibles, breaking bread, includes two things. Number one, it probably refers to this early church simply sharing meals together. They weren't content only with corporate worship. They kept on wanting to be together, and so they met in homes. And part of what they did in homes is they ate. They shared table fellowship. But number two, probably, now there's some debate about this, but probably in this initial startup phase of the church something else they were doing as they gathered together in homes was taking the lord's supper observing communion now that would make sense because just days before this jesus had gathered his own disciples around a table where they shared a meal and in his kindness he he transitioned the Passover meal into a new commemoration, not of that those lambs that had died in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, but rather his own body being broken and his own blood being shed. Over time, this new supper, the Lord's Supper, we find as we move our way through the New Testament, came to be observed as the whole church gathered. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians if you're interested in it. Ordinarily, the Lord's Supper should be taken when the church is all together, because that best pictures the the breaking of the bread on behalf of the whole body of Christ. But here, in Acts chapter 2, there was no way to do that. This is simply too early in the process it's very likely this church was meeting outside the temple courts where you didn't have picnics. And so they would go home to do this part of worship. They enjoyed extended relationships and the grace that God had given them around the table. And together, these first Christians remembered the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. And so as they they ate their normal meal and remembered Jesus's death in communion. They did those two things simultaneously. But over time throughout the New Testament and then certainly into church history, uh, these became distinct activities of the body. Again, this is such an odd experience. We We had planned if we were all together this morning to be taking the Lord's Supper together. And yet we're limited this morning. May we, perhaps the very first time we're all back together, may we remember the broken body and shed blood of Jesus with new power. May we we experience his love for us in new ways. And until then, may whoever you're able to eat with, may it be a sweet time of enjoying the grace that God's given us in Christ. Now finally, the fourth devotedness, the fourth area of priority this church gathered around and celebrated together was they devoted themselves to the prayers or to prayer. Throughout the book of Acts church and the rest of the New Testament as well, we'll find that prayer plays an incredibly prominent role in the churches. A healthy church, you see, is a praying church. It's a church where there's persistence in prayer together. Prayer, brothers and sisters is perhaps the the easiest thermostat one could use to discern the spiritual temperature of the church. If we're out of the habit of prayer, one way we can get back started on that personally and then with whomever you're able to gather with virtually or in person is to use the Lord's Prayer as a guide. So if you're taking notes, you might write down Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. This is the place where Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus walked through what's known today as the Lord's Prayer. It starts with our Father who art in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'd encourage you this week to, whenever you pray, to take some time to allow the phrases of that prayer to guide the sentences and paragraphs of your prayer. This is a great way to get back started if perhaps you're out of the habit of prayer. Friends, the only way to persevere in trying times is to stand on the truth of the gospel and to rehearse that truth back to God in prayer. If you've not yet become someone accustomed to the habit of prayer, then I'd encourage you to start that habit today. Perhaps one of the graces of God that would come in this uh, severe mercy of COVID-19 would be that you would learn the habit of prayer. Maybe that we, as a church, would become a people more devoted to prayer. Tonight in our members meeting at 6 p.m., we'll gather here on Zoom again. And if you're a member, I wanna encourage you to come. The interaction will be different. We'll be set up in a meeting room such that we're able to see one another. And one of the things we'll do together tonight is pray, to pray corporately. I think it could be an incredibly helpful time to us as we try to apply This text being devoted to prayer. Now, before we wrap up this morning, before we leave from where we've been, I just want to encourage us to devote ourselves to those four things, to give ourselves to them with persistence. But just a word on something else that's really powerful in this paragraph. Let's consider one more aspect of what's said here. And really, it's a specific example of fellowship. Look down with me, if you would, at verse 44 again. And I'll read verses 44 and 45. It says that they, all who believed were together. And they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I think this is one of the most astonishing parts of the entire paragraph. These Christians, these early believers, parted with money and possessions at will. Notice the relationship between their Fellowship with God, their fellowship with one another, and their willingness to give of what they had. Brothers and sisters, if we share Jesus in common, then we share everything else in common too. We're becoming like Christ. And part of that becoming like Christ is that we give to one another. In a spirit-filled church, any and every legitimate need ought to be known and ought to be met. In a spirit-filled church, any and every legitimate need ought to be known and ought to be met. Now, Acts 2, to be sure, is not advocating a a kind of communism or, or socialism. It's not as though everyone literally gave everything they had away in a single moment. How do we know that? Well, the text tells us they continued to gather in homes. If they gave everything they had, then they would have had no homes to gather in. Instead, what's being talked about here is something Not quite that, literally owning nothing, but it's certainly more than what the majority of us have ever experienced. It's a generosity that holds nothing tightly. Church, when we see each other as family, when we realize that God's grace is upon us, when we acknowledge consistently who Jesus is and what he's done for us, then we increasingly hold our stuff more and more and more loosely. And we come to realize that everything we have has been given to us not for our own enjoyment alone, but for the benefit of others. This generosity is what, is, is what was known among the ancient world as part of what made the church famous. It's part of what marked the people of God one of the earliest records we have of the church outside the Bible was a letter written by a philosopher to the Roman emperor of the day. And I'd like to read a section of it to you. Hopefully it'll come up on your screen. It says this, they do not worship strange gods. They, do not, they, they go their way in all modesty and cheerfulness. Falsehood is not found among them, and they love one another. And from widows they do not turn away from their esteem. They deliver the orphan from him who treats him harshly. He who has gives to him what he has not, without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their homes and rejoice with him as a very brother. For they do not call him Brethren after the flesh, but brethren after the spirit, and in God. Whenever one of their poor passes from this, them according to his ability, gives heed to him, and carefully sees to his burial. And if there's any among them that are poor, or needy, and if they have no spare food, they fast. They fast for two or three days in order to supply to their needy their lack of food. Church, the coronavirus is not going to linger and upend our entire lives like it is right now, forever. It will become managed at some point. Social distancing will no longer be necessary, sorry introverts, but this will come to a conclusion. Yes, it may come back in the fall and we could possibly be bound up as we are again. But Lord willing, 12 will pass and we'll be given a vaccine and this will be a memory the challenge that may linger much longer than the medical challenge is the financial one. Brothers and sisters are going to need the humble generosity that we see here in Acts chapter 2. We're going to need each other to get through this. Some of us are going to lose our jobs. Some of us are going to have massive medical bills. Some of us are going to have our hours and our compensation cut. Some of us may need to move in with each other. Some of us might lose a spouse, and while grieving the loss of that spouse, we might have to find a way to come up with income that we didn't project ever needing. Some of us may even need to eat less in order that some others may have something. Church on Mill will need to be an Acts 2 church. We'll need to be a church that's generously sharing our possessions and money to meet needs, first among us, and then very very likely among our community. You help with that by giving to the church budget, but frankly, brothers and sisters, it's going to need to go well beyond that. In many ways, life as we knew it a few weeks ago is probably over. Things are going to be different. Even when the virus passes, we will have a new reality to adjust to. In the kindness of God, he brought us here to this passage for a moment like this. Perhaps what the church in Acts 2 was known for outside of their community will be something by the Spirit we could become known for. Not in our own strength, not for our own glory, but perhaps the grace that we've been shown in Christ, we will show one another in money. There's going to be a need. I wonder this morning, do do you already have a legitimate need? If so, I want to encourage you to use a new email address that we've set up. It's help at churchonmill.org. That's H-E-L-P at churchonmill.org. We've set up a a system through which an an elder and a deacon are going to be working together to, to monitor whatever emails come in and then to help distribute those needs among the body. So it might be that you don't have a need yet, but you'd be willing to help with a need, then you could also email that email address, help, H-E-L-P, at churchonmill.org. Maybe you know you have a little bit extra money that you could use to help somebody. Then write in that email address and let us know that. Or maybe you'd be available to go get groceries for somebody who it's unsafe for them to get out of the house right now or run somebody to a doctor's office who can't drive. Whatever it is that you think you might be able to contribute, I want to encourage you to write that email address, and we'll try to work together to triage the needs and to distribute them among the body. But especially to those of you who are anticipating a bill coming up perhaps this week as we transition into a new month that you don't know how you can meet. Friend, don't grit your teeth and try to go it alone. The Lord has provided your brothers and sisters for you to experience his love, his care, his grace in your life in a new way you didn't want, but will bless others by allowing them to help you. Won't you write us today? Help at churchonmill.org. What's typical of a church? What's typical of a church is the church will be a people among whom there's an awareness that we have been forgiven of our sins. We have been filled with the Spirit. We are daily aiming to walk in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're devoting ourselves to the apostles' teachings, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Church, as we focus on those things in these unusual days, may we find God's grace, His power is sufficient for such a time as this. And church, what's always been true about the churches that have come before us is when there is trial and suffering and hardship and unexpected crises, then as the church does those four things, The church grows. The church becomes stronger. And day by day, may the Lord add to us those who are being saved. Father, thank you for your scriptures. We pray that they would bear great fruit in our lives. And we pray that out of the generosity you have shown us would flow a tremendous generosity to one another. Father, please help us by your Spirit to live in light of what we've heard and move us in unusual ways to make sacrifices for each other like we've never made before. We pray that we would be a people among whom a non-Christian could later write to another non-Christian And describe the kinds of things we read in that ancient letter. God, we can't do this simply by trying hard. But only as we yield to a power that is so greater than us. The power of the Lord Jesus Christ by means of the Spirit. Flowing through us to do the work of God for today. We pray this in Jesus' name.